Love this podcast? Support this show through the ACAST supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. In India, a female is raped every 20 minutes, but one case almost tore the country apart. Though we usually do breakdowns and analysis of confessions and interrogations, this week we start a new format, MWM Timelines, where we follow a case as though it's unfolding right in front of us. Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. This is Monsters Who Murder, Serial Killer Confessions. Police found 27 corpses. Australia's worst serial killer. Even though I didn't want to get in the car, I had to... With Amanda Howard and Robert McKnight. Hello, I'm Rob McKnight. Welcome to Monsters Who Murder. Amanda Howard, the serial killer whisperer, true crime author, best-selling true crime author even, and criminologist is with us. Hello, Amanda Howard. Hello, Robert McKnight. It's good to see you again. Good to see you. We need to clear something up. I was having a look at the introduction I'm about to do and it says something that I'm unfamiliar with. Apparently, the terms BC and AD have been replaced. Yes, they have. So now we have CE and BCE. So a CE's common error, which is essentially from zero to now, and before common error is up to zero. So all of those years before. So it's something that's coming obviously because AD and BC are very um, Anglo-Christian sort of focus, whereas you know we're a very worldwide country, land, earth these days that we actually have to use uh, terms that are across a lot of different religions, even though there are other calendars and things like that, we use CE and BCE, and we have for about 20 years as far 20 as 20 years? Aware. Yeah, yeah, at least, <laughs> at least. So, That's the memo. <laughs> Rob, but you, but you work in news and you do, like, current exactly. stuff. You know, yeah, the stuff I do, I love history and I love, you know, going back through the centuries and, you know, um, I, I read the archaeologists every day and all of that sort of stuff. So I'm used to things like this, but um, I'm glad I could bring you a new term, even though we're still working in common error for this episode. It's just interesting that it's something that came up when you read the script. Yeah, very interesting. All right, let's get into it because Minurka, a suburb of Delhi City, is known for its large number of migrants as part of its population of 26,000, with the majority being men aged between 20 and 34 years old. Its history harks back to 1446 CE, as we now know it, when Mughal ruler Manur Khan Patad handed over the land as payment of debts to Chadurai Ringha Singh Tokus. Its tourism includes the unfinished tombs of the Ladi dynasty, showing the beauty of the architecture of times gone by. The city calls Indian swimmer Kajam Singh and actor Rajat Tokus as their most famous stars. But it is another person, Joyti Singh, that is forever steeped Murica and indeed all of India in its blood. It was a crime so heinous that it caused riots and changed the political landscape of India. On December 16, 2012, 23-year-old physiotherapist student Joyti Singh and her friend Awindra Patrap Tendri began their evening watching the recently released Life of Pi. 
The two-hour, internationally reviewed film that starred mainly Indian actors was to be the final moments of happiness in Georgie's life. Little could she foresee the 84 minutes of hell she was about to endure. So Amanda, we begin on Sunday, December 16, 2012 at 6pm. Yeah, that's right. So we're about to follow from the moment that everything goes to hell and and continue through that night. So um, this is going to be an interesting one to do because, as you said, we're going to do a different format today with timelines and we're starting at Life of Pi, which if people haven't seen it, go and see it. It's horrible because it's so wonderfully good. Okay. <laughs> I'm a little confused by that statement. But we'll move on. <laughs> oh, yeah. Well, if, if if you see it, you know why it's so it's heart wrenching, and I don't do heart wrenching, and it's a beautiful film. Right. Okay. As we said, let's begin on Sunday, December 16, 2012, at 6 p.m. Awindra, in a translated interview at France 24 News, describes their plans for that evening. Was it Sunday? It was a Sunday. My friend called and uh, we went to a mall in the 2nd District and bought tickets for Life of Pi. So we watched the movie. It got over at 8.30pm. It was dark and uh, I decided to go and drop her home. We tried to get an auto rickshaw. There were a lot of uh, rickshaws there, but none of them wanted to go to our destination because it was too far. We tried a lot of autos, but nobody was ready to go. By now it was 9 p.m. and a bus came to the bus stop. The bus conductor was calling out for our destination. Interesting, Amanda. I saw right at the end there, there was a wide shot of him and his legs in a brace. Yeah, because this interview is actually one of the first ones he did, and this is just a few weeks after the attack. So um, he is still suffering injuries, including the smashed leg that, that he um, received during the brutal attack on the bus. And it's Another interesting fact is the super on that screen said Daughter of India. At this point, Joyti's name wasn't known, was it? Or it, it was known to authorities, but it wasn't released. Yeah, that's true. That they usually don't um, release the names of victims, especially of rape, especially because of the um, the issues that are culturally significant in cases like this. Um, it, it was actually her parents that released her name later on when, when they decided that um, that the daughter of India not only needed a face, but she needed a name. So it, it become a strength. But she was everyone's daughter. She was, you know, that nightmare like we have here with um, Janine Boarding and Anita Cobby. She she become the face of India mm. and, and what's uh, wrong with, with the criminal justice system regarding rapes and attacks. So, um, yeah, it was, it was very much... This is how it started. It was that big that quickly. Continuing on from a Windra's account, we pick up with Joyce's own words recorded by an actress for us. I was returning after watching Life of Pi from Select City Mall in Saket. We took an auto from there and reached Minerka. Here we saw a white coloured bus. The conductor of the bus was announcing that the bus was going to Palam and Dwarka. As I had to go to that side, my friend and I boarded the bus. We gave 20 rupees as ticket. Okay, so there appears no reason for either, either of them to doubt that the bus was just another of the usual buses anyone would get on. Yeah, exactly. I mean, in in countries like us, we we can get on a bus because you know it's you know it's publicly or privately owned, but it's it's you know advertised and it's you know professional. They have 
uniforms and stuff like that. But um, this become one of the first issues that they had is that um, people would get on buses and would assume that it's a bus, but it's not. And, and people would get robbed. People would get attacked because ah. people would just drive around on on these buses and say, get in. And you're lucky if you leave with your life or leave with your phone or anything. So, you know, it's just interesting that every part of this uh, created a, a, a crisis that India had to deal with. And this was like step one. Okay. Let's go back to uh, Windra's commentary. By now it was 9 p.m. and a bus came to the bus stop. The bus conductor was calling out for our destination. I remember because uh, when we sat in the bus, I had told her that if uh, you're traveling alone, please don't get into these private buses. They're not safe. I was a little doubtful about the bus, but the bus conductor assured us it was okay and the bus was going to our destination. And then he gave us our tickets as well and uh, and took uh, 20 rupees from us. For five minutes we're just talking to each other, everything was okay. Now we understand that New Delhi, it is a million miles from away from us, okay? Safety there is very different to here and in some ways it was prophetic that Awindra would say to Joyti to not catch, catch a bus like this if she was alone, Amanda. Yeah, I mean, and, and, and it's something that, that females deal with every single day. We, we are always conscious of, of safety. I mean, I walk to work at 4am each day. So there you go. That's where I am at that time of day. And, um, you know, I, I have to be aware of people around. Um, there's a whole yeah. story if people follow my Facebook where I talked about the guy who wanted to suck my toes um, and all of this sort of stuff that happens. I missed that you one. Know, and, and <laughs> yeah, the, this guy stopped me as I was walking to work and he said, um, and he asked all, all these weird sex questions and, and, and he goes, I think I'm weird. Do you think it's weird to want to actually, actually with fuck toes, not suck toes. Um, and I went each to their own as long as you're not doing it to her children or animals. I think it's okay. Then I ran. Yeah. <laughs> like, I just, you know, but. The but, life but, of Amanda but, Howard, so many twists <laughs> and turns. And this is what happens when you start work at 4 a.m. So, mm. um, and Friday's 4 a.m. was even more scary, but th that's not for, for, for this story here. But, but but we deal with this. You know, we know if we walk to our cars to make sure you've parked under a street light, you know, we, we have our, our keys sticking out between our fingers, all of these sorts of stuff that w women do because we never feel safe and we are safer here than we are in India. So mm. to imagine even getting on a bus is unsafe if she's alone, you know, and, and he thinks because he's there, she should be safe. And, you know, we're about to find out that they're not. But it's it's just amazing how women and, and, and you know, um, gays and all of that, all of these different groups of, of people are, are, un, are unsafe um, purely because it's dark, purely because it's a bus, purely because you're female, um, transgender, whatever. But there is so much risk out there. But the risk in, in India is so far greater and their issues with rape and um, the under-reporting and the under-investigating um, is just huge. And so this is where this comes from. And the mentality that they have there about you're only safe if you have a man with you is just so horrible. And for them to think they were safe, it's just it's just heartbreaking that he thought he was doing the right thing for her. Mm. Okay. Let's return to Awindra's account once again. 
And then they closed both the front and back doors of the bus. Three of the men came towards us and uh, they started verbally abusing my friend and asking her things like, where are you going so late at night and other things. Yeah, that's, a, that's an interesting part here because it is a sad fact that women in Delhi can't go to a movie in the evening without being accosted. And it becomes a blame game. She was out that night and they demanded she explain why. What are you doing out? Yeah, and, and, and it's just horrible that, that you know, that there isn't that freedom. You know, we should all be free to, to, to walk around and, and, and be safe. But the fact that they were, you know, how dare you, you know, you deserve to get raped and killed because you're out. It's just, it's just horrible that that's a mentality that is actually accepted by a lot of men in India. Hmm. Okay, we're about to get to the beginning of the attack and we must warn you the details that we are about to hear and discuss are some of the most brutal injuries ever inflicted on one human being. I'll give you a moment to pause if you don't want to hear it or skip ahead. And here we go. And then uh, one of the men punched me in the face, so I retaliated. And I started hitting these three men. We were both screaming. My friend was screaming very loudly. She tried to open the bus door. She also tried to use her phone to call the police, but somebody snatched the phone. Then they called out to their two other friends in the bus. Their friends got a metal rod and uh, they started attacking us with it. They hit me on the head with a rod repeatedly quite a few times. While this fight was happening, I was constantly trying to protect my friend. And she was behind me and at some point, one of the men dragged her away from me. Now a little point here. At this point in the interview, Joydi had not been named as the victim. We've talked about this and that is why he is only referring to her as his friend. You'll also hear her being referred to as Nabea. That's a pseudonym given to her. Now returning to what Awindra had said, they were armed with a weapon and there were six of them. Awindra and Joyti stood, they stood little chance against them. Isn't that right? Yeah, that's right. And, you know, even if they could defend themselves, you know, the the, the six men with a crowbar. So, you know, it, it was going to be um, a lose-lose situation, you know, and and these bus drivers were actually, that they were driving around looking for victims, you know. They they weren't doing anything else. They weren't just sort of out driving and she got on, on, on the bus and so then they decided that that's what they were going to do. They set out to rob people and to beat people. That's why there were six of them on this bus. No other reason except for that. Mm, okay, let's go back to Joyce's statement and hear what she had to say about what happened next. And of course, a reminder, this is an actress reading out those words. When I entered the bus, I saw six to seven people sitting. I thought they are all passengers. I sat in the front seat. The bus had yellow curtains and red seats. The windows were closed and had tinted glass panes. I could see from inside, but no one could see from outside. After settling in, I looked again at my co-passengers and got a little suspicious, but by that time I had already paid the money and the bus had started. Five minutes after boarding the bus, the conductor closed the doors of the bus. He closed the lights of the bus and came towards my friend. Okay, so she was suspicious, but the fact the driver took the fare 
that actually made her feel a little less suspicious. Well, exactly, because it just seemed that, you know, well, if they're taking a fare, well, they're actually going to take us mm. where we need to go, you know, and because not every private bus owner in, in India was out doing this sort of thing, that there, there was whole teams of them. Um, so that's what, what sort of made her her calm down and say, okay, well, they wouldn't have taken the, the 20 rupees off us if, it, if they weren't going to take us, you know, but even if they hadn't done that and they had got on. Women are programmed to be polite. We are, we're told to just say smile and wave and walk away. We're, we're not told to tell people just to fuck off, you know, and that's the hardest thing that we have to learn to change. Um, I am raising my daughter to say, if you don't feel comfortable, you tell them to fuck off and you walk away. Yes, it may spark something else, but at the same time, it might stop that person going for the next person if they realise that they just can't come up and be creepy. And it happens so often. But then it also becomes to, you know, are we blaming the victim because she was being polite? You know, it's just, it's crazy how... Um, there's this safety issue that we have to deal with, but at the same time, we're not allowed to be rude to those people who we um, assume aren't going to be safe for us. So, you know, mm. it's 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 a weird um, construct, but any woman or any person that's been a victim will understand what I'm trying to get at here. I'm not blaming her. Well, you for don't want to be seen as overreacting to, to the situation. People are innocent yeah. until proven guilty. That's our society. And so even if everything in your body is telling you with that fight or flight um, instinct, we, we, we suppress that because we don't want to be impolite. Absolutely, that is that is said better than I could have said it. You know, and, and and that's the thing we need to learn to say fuck off more often. I'm I'm sorry, we, we just have to. All right. <laughs> it's funny you've never been afraid to tell me to fuck off. Anyway. <laughs> <I know. laughs> All right. Awindra recalls how the attack continued as his interview continues. After that, I tried to save her to go towards her, but. Two of the men kept pulling me back and beating me constantly. They took all of our things from us and they were brutally attacking my friend. They had already taken all of our clothes away. And that bus just kept driving over flyovers and all over the city for a long time. He has sort of brushed over the attack. Now, we know he they smashed his leg and knocked him unconscious a number of times too, but it is interesting that is a traumatising part and he has gotten through that very quickly in his retelling of the story. Yeah, and I think, as you said, it is trauma, you know. This is something that he has lived over and over in, in his head a thousand times. But there's also going to be moments that he has completely blocked out because he doesn't want to imagine what he went through and how he survived and she hasn't. So mm. it's just it's it's one of those moments that he doesn't know how much to give and how much to, to hold back. And it's just... Um, it's 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 just such a trauma to him and as they keep showing that 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 long shot with his leg we know what he lived and the horror that he he went through and, and also he has survivor guilt because he survived what what she did not and mm. he feels helpless that he couldn't help her yeah all right we have the next part of the statement that joyce made while three to four held him, the rest dragged me to the back seat of the bus. They tore off my clothes and they took turns to rape me and held me and took me to the back of the bus. 
They tore my clothes and raped me in turns. They hit me with an iron rod and bit me on my entire body with their teeth. Before this, they had snatched the wallet and mobile of my friend. They took all belongings, my mobile phone, purse, credit card, debit card, watches, etc. Six people raped me in turns for nearly one hour in a moving bus. While one of them shoved the rod inside, another one used his hands to tear my organs out. The driver of the bus kept changing so that he could also rape me. From their appearance, they looked like drivers and their helpers. I was losing consciousness, but they hit me repeatedly to wake me up. Half of the time I was unconscious, but whenever I came to consciousness, they beat me up. My friend tried to save me, but these people beat him every time he came forward to save me. They also beat him with an iron rod and hit him in the head. They then stripped us and, believing that we are dead, threw us out of the moving bus. Now, last season, we had another man rip out the entrails of his partner during a violent sex act. It just seems, Amanda, so unimaginably evil to do something this abhorrent. Yeah, it is. And and to think that they thought to do that, you know, it's it's just, it's sometimes like, you know, I live in, in, in the minds of killers a lot and they still are able to shock me. Like this is one of those cases that shocked me, like the one that we did last season where the man ripped out his, his partner's uterus, etc. It, it just shocks me that they think that that's an okay thing to do and that they get off on that and then they go and rape her is, after is they've that what pulled they're getting out those because you know, it's one thing to rape her, right? If if, if that's their their goal, but this is more than that. This is brutal. This is about power. This is about a pack mentality. She it's yeah, treating her like it. she's yeah. not a human. Exactly, it's the pack mentality, and she becomes an object, and she becomes mm. an orifice, and they just take turns, you know. But the fact that you know she's bleeding, she has parts of her body falling out of her, and they continue to rape her repeatedly. They all just have one go each. They kept going back for more and more and more. I just, I don't understand how they get off on that, but they do. And you know, she wasn't their first victim either. Right. Okay. Well. It's 10.30pm now. Both Awindra and Joyti have been tossed from the bus, presumably dead. Awindra continues recounting the story. When they were done, they just threw us out of the bus in a deserted spot. So I was just trying to pick up my friend from the road when I saw that they were reversing the bus and coming towards us to crush us. So I quickly pulled my friend away from the bus, otherwise we would have both died. Hang on. They tried to run them over as well? Yeah, they, they were wanting to make sure that they had finished the job. They didn't want witnesses to what had happened. And so they thought when they saw him move, they thought, okay, well, you know, we have to reverse over them. And they tried their best to, to, to run them over as well. You know, it's just it just keeps going. Wow. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. 
Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Okay, so the police were called and they arranged for both the Windra and Joyty to go to hospital. Police officers interviewed Joyty and that's the statements we've been using in this episode. And during the assault, she was able to name all of them. She doesn't hesitate. She got their names and she gave them. I heard these people saying, catch them, tear their clothes, hit them, take her bag, and using abusive language. Ram Singh, Thakur, Raju, Makesh, Parwan, and Vinay were their names. All of them should be hung to death so that these criminals do not do any such acts to any other girls, which is inhuman. They are animal-like people. They should be burned alive. NDTV published CCTV footage of the buses that drove around the city as the brutal assault continued. Well, it's a shocking incident of brutal rape in the capital. And once again, the national capital shows how unsafe it is for women. A young woman gang raped in a moving bus, brutally beaten for 90 minutes and then thrown off it. And these are the CCTV pictures of that bus. Those CCTV pictures aren't crystal clear, but the police investigation has now begun. It's Monday, December 17, 2012 at 2am. Here we're introduced to Deputy Commissioner Chaya Sharma in an interview with CNN as she recalls the events. It was about 2.15 that um, my operator made a call and uh, informed me. He did not have much details, but uh, what I could understand was that something's happened to a girl and uh, probably uh, uh, an heinous offence has occurred against her. The condition of the girl as told to us was, uh, was such that I understood that it's, it's going to be quite a serious case and it's going to be the repercussions can be quite bad so i informed my team to be prepared for the challenge which lay ahead and we should be ready with answers so it looks like the case has been taken very seriously from the get-go yeah, I mean, and and it's interesting that it was because, as we said, rape is underreported and and very rarely investigated. So this was sort of, it, but basically, what happened was that some of the junior police officers sp- spoke to um Sharma and said, "Look, she's in a bad way. Th- this is not good." You know, when her entrails are sort of hanging out and some of them were gone, they realised that this was something different. So it mm. it, it started off quicker than, than they most did but I think had she not survived it would, would have just been ignored but the fact that she was alive and in in this condition I think that's what made them realize that they had to do something okay doctors tried for hours to stabilize Joyty and try to f- try to do what they could to fix her injuries Dr Mishra who oversaw her surgeries was shocked by what they found here he is speaking with CNN atrocious unbelievable injuries what she had sustained we have never seen before in my almost 40 year career i have never witnessed such a horrific uh, brutality by uh, human beings because she was young she was healthy and uh, because of her willpower that gave us hope that she might recover the worst injuries caused by a human being i mean 
the term animals might be better suited for that lot, as we've discussed, but it must have been hard for them to see such absolute destruction of a woman's body and just try to work out what to do first, Amanda. Where do you begin with something like that? Well, with a trauma surgery, I mean, obviously they need to stem blood loss. Like that's the first thing that they need to do. But then usually what what happens then is that they do um, a full head-to-toe um, imaging and a check to see what's going on, what's where and everything. She had a lot of blood loss. And um, what they found was she only had 5% of her intestines still remaining inside of her. So that's not a lot. People have lived without their intestines with stoma bags and things like that. It is You can survive, but the way that she had been attacked you know they knew that they wanted to save her but it was you know just just such a horrific attack that they didn't know what they could do but they did a bloody good job wow it's now 3 a.m and away from the events happening in the hospital joyty's parents were trying to get hold of her when she didn't arrive home by 10 p.m finally they received a call and it's one that every parent dreads we got a call from someone saying our daughter was injured and admitted in the hospital. We found out what had happened after we arrived at the hospital. We were shocked to see our daughter's state. What was in front of our eyes was hard to even imagine. We didn't know how to react for the first few moments. When I first saw her, she was conscious and she was lying on the stretcher. She looked at me and started crying. I told her to keep calm and not to worry anymore, as I'd take care of everything. The doctors felt it was a miracle for her to be alive after such gruesome injuries. They informed us she might not be able to survive the surgery. She told me they beat her badly. What could she say? Even I didn't have the courage to ask her anything. She was in great pain, so we never asked her anything. Even in so much pain, she would keep saying, don't worry, I'm doing better, and we'll get okay very soon. Oh, as a parent of daughters, I just cannot imagine the pain and grief the parents must have been feeling. I, I don't think that there's anything worse. I mean, as I, I mentioned before, we've had a couple of cases like that here in Australia and there is brutal rapes that happen every second around the world. But to be those parents who see her and she's awake and conscious and sort of, you know, almost apologising, saying, look, I'm going to get better, it's okay, it's okay, when all they want to do is just hold her and tell her it's going to be okay. It's just, it's so heart-rendering, just... You know, I know the strength that these parents have because we're about to see what they do for, for their daughter, but it's just, um, it's hard. It's really, really mm. hard. And as you say, you know, we both have daughters and it's just um, you never want to think that they will end up like this, you know, but it's a real risk that is out there. Absolutely. Well, Alindra makes a statement to police and the suspects are identified at 3 p.m., the driver of the bus, 34-year-old Ram Singh, is arrested. He was found scrubbing the blood out of the bus. Soon after, his brother Mukesh Singh, 26, was arrested. And their story of that fateful Sunday began to take shape. Both Singh brothers had grown up in poverty. They had moved to Delhi a few years before the crime. Ram had eloped with a woman and Mukesh followed behind. When Ram's wife left him, he began drinking heavily and most Sundays were lost in an alcoholic haze. 
December 16 was no different. The Singh brothers had spent the day with the other rapists drinking heavily. That evening, the owner of the bus, Ram Drove, asked him to run errands. The man agreed and the group of men all decided to go along and see if they could pick up unsuspecting passengers to rob. A window and Joyty were not the first victims picked up that evening. Another man had got on board about 10 minutes before the couple. The man... The men stole the man's phone and wallet. After the news of the event became known, the first victim also reported the robbery to police. In Makesh's interview, he put the blame of the rape squarely at Joyty's feet, saying, A girl is far more responsible for rape than a boy. A decent girl won't roam around at nine o'clock at night. You can't clap with one hand. It takes two hands to clap. I was driving the bus. They switched off the lights. My brother was the main guy. They hit the boy and he just hid between the seats. The girl was screaming, help me, help me. My brother said, don't stop the bus, keep driving. They hit her and dragged her to the back. Then they went in turns. First the juvenile and Ram Singh. After that, Akshay and the rest went. Someone put his hand inside her and pulled out something long. It was her intestines. He said, she's dead, throw her out quickly. First, they tried the back door, but it didn't open. So they dragged her to the front. They threw her out. My drunk state wore off completely. I couldn't even control the steering. I only drove the bus. We reached home in about 10 minutes. We agreed no one would say anything, and if the police got involved, no one would name names. There was a lot of blood. Blood on the seats, blood on the floor. Akshay and the juvenile both cleaned the bus. Vinay had a lot of blood on his hands. He washed them at my house. I went to sleep. When being raped, she shouldn't fight back. She should just be silent and allow the rape. Then we'd have dropped her off after doing her. Okay, we now move on to Tuesday, December 18, 2012. Ram Singh soon gave up the whereabouts of the other attackers and Vinay Sharma and Pawan Gupta were soon in police custody. At the same time, India praised for the recovery of Joyti, referred to as India's daughter. The case became the breaking point in the Indian criminal justice system, didn't it, Amanda? This was a turning point. Yes, it was, you know, and, and the fact that Ram Singh, you know, said that they weren't going to say anything and everything, but he then was the person who named everyone that was involved. Um, now, there's one... Uh, one attacker here that isn't named he's just referred to as the juvenile and that's purely because he was underage and so they weren't releasing his his name either you know but he was so belligerent you know and the, the way he says oh well she should have just lied there and, and taken it you know no mm. and this just shows that's what their thought processes are yeah very obviously do you think he by giving up the names, he was trying to get some kind of deal, uh, some leniency, because he gave up the rest? No, he just wanted to make sure that the others got the same punishment that he was going to get. You, you don't get off charges like this in India, though it's hard to get to this point. He's been arrested. It usually goes further than this, and he knew that it's now a death sentence that could happen, and so he was going to name names. Okay. Alok Pandey from NDTV did a profile of the man. Ram Singh, one of the main accused in this case, has committed suicide. Just to go back to a bit of history about Ram Singh, who Ram Singh actually is or was, at the moment, uh, uh, we had profiled Ram Singh and the other accused extensively, uh, Neha, during the time when this uh, horrific incident had actually happened, and we had visited uh, the place, his slum cluster, where he used to live in. Uh, 
and uh, the basic details of ram singh that i can share with you are that ram singh was a bus driver that's what that was his latest profession that's what he used to do and uh, before that he was originally from uh, rajasthan and he was somebody who was a known lumpen element in that sense uh, when we had visited the jogi where he used to live people had did not have too many uh, good words to say about him he was also somebody prone to a lot of violence prone prone to a lot of anger he had many brushes and fights in the area where he used to live so this is the kind of history that we have for ram singh of course uh, he was arrested and uh, and proclaimed the main accused in this uh, delhi gang rape case since then he has been lodged in tihar jail his trial along with the trial of four others who are all adults has been on in the saket fast track court here in south delhi uh, so he has been making regular court appearances there till a while ago so uh, that was what was happening in the case and of course uh, all these accused the adult accused were lodged in tihar jail so the men are certainly not part of a loving and caring environment. This was not the first time they had attacked people and they had been getting away with it, Amanda. Yeah, and, and that's the issue is that if crimes are being punished, then they will continue to do them because we we have um, that, that personality that if we do something and we get in trouble for it, we don't do it again. If we do something and are praised or we get away with it, then we're going to do it again and again and again. And that's what's happening. And with there being no repercussions for attacks like this, they were going to continue. They didn't do this, just this was a whim that they did this one time. As, as um, uh, Pandy was saying, no one in the village where Ram Singh comes from had anything nice to say about the guy. He'd been like this most of his life. Okay, December 19 to 20, 2012. Sharma and Gupta are requested to be part of an identity parade for a Windra, but both refuse to leave their cells. The next day, Mukesh is put into a lineup and a Windra identifies him. Amanda, tell me about the men. Well, we have Sharma and he's a gym instructor. So um, he drove the bus most of the time while the others were taking turns raping um, Jyoti. Uh, Gupta was a fruit seller and he was just basically a friend of the other guys and they were all drinking buddies. So that's why they sort of got together and they would go out and rob people pretty much every Sunday after they got drunk. So, you know, um, sadly it's when Jyoti gets put on, on the bus that things change and um, their lives change forever too. Mm. December 21, 2012, the fifth rapist who was underage was taken into custody and the final rapist, Akshay Kumar Singh, also known as the Kerr, was arrested after having fled to Aurangabad. Soon after, news of her attack hit media outlets across the globe. The spotlight shone on India and its people decided that they had had enough. Their ordeal led to some of the biggest protests ever seen in India with widespread demands for justice, not only for Nirbhaya, but better protection for all women. India is consistently ranked as one of the worst countries to be a woman. It's often the way, isn't it, Amanda, that it takes a brutal attack to get action. Certainly the case that the Indian people... This was what it made for the Indian people to stand up and fight for the injustices that women endure. Exactly. And it's and it's one of those things that, as you said, it takes something so gruesomely violent. You know, how many thousands of women, you know, I think it's 68,000 women a year are raped in India. It's such a huge number, but it takes someone to endure 
almost an hour and a half of the most extreme violence for people to say, shit, maybe we need to do something about this. You know, but it's not because people were ignoring it. It's that the criminal justice system and those in power were ignoring it. The women mm. on the street were enduring this. Their children were. There were cases that came up after Joyti that, that actually discusses um, even worse things that happened to other people, but they were being highlighted. And sometimes the press is the best thing and has the most power to say, hey, this isn't right, you need to do something. And the people stood up and they screamed as loud as they could and it was for the best of India. Mm. December 26, 2012, Joyti's condition deteriorates and following a cardiac arrest, Joyti and a large medical team flew to Mount Elizabeth Hospital in Singapore for more treatment. A possible intestine transplant was even considered at one point. Amanda, it is amazing how far they were prepared to go to give her the best chance of survival. Yeah, and I think because we, we believe that she deserved the best of care. You know, sadly, as I just said, you know, 68,000 women are raped in India every year and they don't get this sort of care that happens. You know, there, there were countries that were all standing up saying, we will take her and we will do the best. As, as you just said, they were ever going to give her an intestine transplant to see if that could help her and save her. You know, sometimes it's, it's, it's issues like this that happen that we actually have advances in, in surgery and, and, and trauma and things like that that we can actually correct and, and fix for the next person, sadly. But, you know, it's, it just shows that this is how brutal her injuries were and the fact that she had survived them to this point, they were going to do whatever they can. And, you know, it, it just shows that the, the world was watching and India had to do what it needed to do to make this right. Mm. December 29, 2012, it's the news no one wanted to hear. Joyti had succumbed to her injuries and died. At the same time, the charges against all six attackers were upgraded to murder. The trial is set for early 2013. Joyti's body was coming home. March 11, 2013, the case gets its first blow when Ram Singh takes his own life while in jail. He shared his cell with three other prisoners who claimed to have heard nothing. Suspicions were raised about his death. This from The Times. The family of the girl brutally gang-raped and murdered by Ram Singh and his other brutes, this mysterious death has come as a huge shock. They lost their daughter to one of the most gruesome crimes that the nation has witnessed. And now adding to the woes of Nirbhaya's family is the mysterious death of the prime accused in the case, Ram Singh. Lawyers and activists across the country are questioning the suicide theory, alleging a conspiracy. It would show the motive of uh, the conspirators, if at all this is a murder, and uh, show how they have acted uh, uh, consciously to eliminate the main uh, accused before the trial can begin. The mystery around Ram Singh's death is only deepening, and the chorus for a CBI inquiry is growing louder. इसमें मुझे लगता है कि जुडिशियल इंक्वायरी से कम कोई इंक्वायरी मजिस्ट्रेट इंक्वायरी नहीं कोई बहुत सीनियर हाई लेवल जुडिशियल टाइम बाउंड इंक्वायरी होनी चाहिए इसमें कि किन परिस्थितियों में ये मौत हो पाई इतने सिक्योरिटी प्रोटेक्शन प्रिकॉशन के बाद एक जेल में आत्महत्या हो जाना मैं सोचती हूं कि बहुत बड़ा जो हादसा हुआ है इस जेल एडमिनिस्ट्रेशन की इंक्वायरी होनी चाहिए 
Nirbhaya's family is raising questions if the death of the prime accused in the case will delay justice in the Nirbhaya case further. But these fears have been dismissed by many. I'm quite sure that the, the unfortunate uh, death of one of the accused will have no bearing whatsoever on the trial because uh, accused cannot be compelled to speak up in the course of the trial. I don't see the trial impacted because it's, only, it's one accused less. Because he, it's one defender less. Because your uh, prosecution is intact, your evidence is intact and there are others. But the question is, will the death of the ringleader prove to be a setback for the trial? Uh, this was obviously big news, Amanda, and even the super on the screen was saying unbelievable suicide. It didn't seem like a lot of people were believing this was suicide. No, I mean, the fact that he was actually hanging from a window that was 10 foot high and uh, he's very, very short and there's no way that he could have got up there to, to hang himself. Um, but the fact that his three other cellmates didn't see anything and he must have done it himself, I mean, that's that's a big thing that, you know, he must have done it himself, you know, just like Jeffrey Epstein did. But I, there, there's two trains of thoughts there that one yes he was killed to shut him up um but or, or two that um it, it was prison justice so i think that um the concern came that if he's dead and he was the only one that was, was speaking out and saying this is who who was involved and this is what they did um with him being dead they were concerned then that the other trials might not have the strength to to go forward because mm. he was the person who had told them everything besides Jyoti and and a, and a Windra giving his statement too but you know it, it was a concern and then there was also you know all those prison rights things that you know how dare someone hurt a, a, a gang rapist that's in jail you know as you said I hope he's rotting in hell yeah, absolutely. Well, August 31, 2013, the juvenile offender was sentenced to three years for his part in the gang rape and murder. Uh, is he out of prison now? Yeah, uh, December 20, 2015, he was released from prison. So we don't know who he is. He he was given a new name and a new identity because I think he was 17 at the time. Um, but, you know, that three three years for what he did is is pretty much getting off lightly, I think. Let us just hope that he is turning his life around and has learnt a lesson. It may not feel like justice. Now we just have to hope that he is going to make change in his life. Okay, to September 10, 2013. All four remaining gang rapists were found guilty of the rape and murder and the assault of Awindra, Amanda. Yeah, and um, like we had no doubt that this was going to happen. I mean, their, their names were plastered everywhere. Their faces were there. They did a whole stack of perp walks for the press and everything. They knew that um, the world was watching and they needed to make sure that they got the massive conviction that they needed to get. March 13, 2014, the men were all sentenced to death, but of course they all filed appeals so their death penalties would put on hold. Amanda, it is always surprising how hard killers will fight for their own lives after having no care about taking another life. Yep, and I, I, I totally 
can't can't get that I, I just I just you know the this woman screamed and begged for her life for an hour and a half they abused her for doing so because she should have just sat there and taken all mm. of all of that brutal attack you know but now it's like oh you can't kill me I'm I you know I'm a good person regardless of what I did to this woman and the world knows what we did and you know we are violent criminals that were drunk and stupid and had robbed other people and attacked other people but please don't kill me because I don't deserve to die I don't get it yeah well, hypocrisy, it exists. December 16, 2015, three years after the death of their daughter, her parents released her name to the world. It was an unprecedented move that gave India's daughter a name and a face. NDTV brought us this. Well, let's go back live now to Jantar Mantar, where uh, the parents of the Delhi Braveheart have now taken her name for the first time publicly. Remember, even though they made uh, their identities public uh, at least three years ago, they have never actually taken her name before in public, and but have chosen to do so now as they raise questions about what's been done for women's safety. Let's listen in. Now, if you're one of the few listeners that don't speak Hindi, to summarise, Joyti's mother said criminals are being protected while victims are not safe and do not have protection from police. Yeah, so this was part of her sort of speaking out and and it, it become a call for justice saying, you know, it's taken them this long to get to um, these men being found guilty and being sentenced to death, not that they're dead yet. Um, and, and this case had huge ramifications. You know, the criminal justice system had to change. Laws had to be reconsidered and changes needed to be made. December 22, 2015, changes were being made following the release of the youngest offender. The Council of State, as part of the Upper House of Parliament in India, changed the Juvenile Justice Code. More from NDTV. Rajya Sabha today amended the law so that 16 year to 16 to 18 year olds who are accused of heinous crimes can now be treated as adults. The Lok Sabha has already passed the bill. It will now be sent to the President for ratification. Present as the Upper House debated and passed that bill after three long years were Asha Devi and Badrinath, the parents of Jyoti Singh, who was gang raped and left to die on 16 December 2012. It was a massive protest after the youngest convict in that case walked out of a remand home last Sunday that seemed to spur lawmakers to speed up the passage of the bill. Jyoti's family sat in the Rajya Sabha Visitors Gallery all through the debate on the Juvenile Justice Bill, representing the tremendous public pressure the Upper House faced to pass it. They had met politicians for a bill which will not change the fate of their daughter's rapist and killer. Passing of the Juvenile Justice Bill in Parliament can be termed nothing else but unprecedented. Thirteen times it was listed since the monsoon session of Parliament but due to disruptions, it got never taken up. 24 hours ago, it did not figure in the list of business. The main opposition party, the Congress, was divided over it. Most of the political parties wanted it to be sent to a parliamentary committee. 
the government listed it under public pressure the opposition ended disruptions and passed it under public pressure it's sign perhaps agitating public can actually make parliamentarians work now shrimati manega sanjay gandhi to move that the bill be passed i move that the bill be passed question is that the bill be passed those in favor please say aye aye those against please say no i think the ayes have the ayes have the ayes have the bill is passed okay so what we have there is the bill to lower the age of criminal responsibility brought down from 18 to 16 it seems like a pretty easy decision but judging by the report there uh there was a lot of political pressure not to do it but because the pressure placed from the public on those politicians amanda they actually were forced to do it they were trying to get it off to select committees and and the opposition was divided on whether to support it they the reporter mentioned that it hadn't been listed and then it was put on the table at the last minute and i loved his line about the fact that they were actually forced to do some work i mean that was some insightful <laughs> commentary yeah i mean i think we we all say that about our our parliament sometimes you know that that there's so many times that um you know things need to be done and they need to be done soon and they just get passed off and passed off and moved to this room and moved to that house and and all of these things change and this was something that the world was watching and you know it's taken them 8 years to get to that point and they mm-hmm. had said that 19 times they'd tried to get this lowered and it had been refused every time before that and now finally it had gone through and it, i think it has a lot to do with not only that this boy got out of prison after 3 years but also that joti had a name and a face and it wasn't just this sort of blank um mm. person that we just sort of assumed was someone she she was now a real real person and so i think that they had a face and they couldn't deny that they couldn't deny that this needed to be done and you know as as we heard with the eyes and the nays just then the nays were very few and far between but we also know a lot of people walked out so but the eyes still had it and that's what we needed to hear mm. yeah she had become a lightning rod her story had certainly galvanized the people january 7 2020 after exhausting all of their appeals the death warrant was signed for all four men but of course they had other options to try march 19 2020 after appeals for clemency were attempted the four men finally faced the gallows al jazeera covered the event it was the moment many indians had been waiting for for 7 years and before dawn on thursday they counted down the seconds until the four convicts were hanged No one in the country was more relieved than the parents of the victim because the law doesn't allow a rape victim to be named the indian media calls her nirbhaya that means the fearless one the crime that was committed against her is always going to cause me grief but i am proud that if she were alive today i'd be called a doctor's mother and today i am proud that i brought her into this world and now i am known as nirbhaya's mother i couldn't save her life but fought to get her justice The four remaining convicts were hanged on Thursday morning after they exhausted all of their mercy pleas. This is not just a day for Nirbhaya but for all women of this country. It is a day of justice and security. Since Nirbhaya's attack, the government has introduced tougher laws against rape such as the death sentence in cases when the victim dies. But rights groups say there is no evidence that the death penalty serves as a deterrent. As a society and as a country, you know, our gaze 
is being fixed on the gallows so that we look away from the very many other things which the state should have done to keep women safer and more free and which the state has absolutely chosen not to do. The number of reported rapes in India has increased by 34% since 2012. The gang rape and murder of an 8-year-old Kashmiri girl in 2018 and a 26-year-old in Hyderabad last year both led to further nationwide protests. Women's rights activists say they are fighting a patriarchal system that blames victims. The government, they urge, needs to do more, starting with making public spaces safer for women and reforming the justice system, rather than passing tougher laws which they say don't work in deterring crimes. Kavita Krishnan, who spoke during that piece, made an important statement that hanging those men showed how justice can work. But it is also about ignoring the other social issues going on where such attacks happen more than we will ever know. Amanda, as that reporter was standing in front of those buses, oh, I, I had fear. I, I, I'm genuine. Yeah. I'm, not, I'm not joking here. I was worried about anybody getting onto one of those buses. I think one of the first things would be no private buses the government should put an infrastructure in. Well, that, that that was something that was changed. So um, there, okay. there's more re regulations of private buses. But still, as you saw, that that bus wasn't looking like it was, you know, by by you know Sydney Rail or or something. You know, it's no. it's very much still um broken down. But but also in that they were showing that though this case was a huge spotlight on on sexual assault and rapes um in in India, you know there was an eight year old girl a couple of years later, and then there was another twenty six year old yeah. just before that 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 report was made. These were still happening, and they still just as brutal. You know that yes, there was a dip in rape cases, and there was an increase in in reports being made, but the streets of of Delhi remain unsafe. Yeah. Uh, how do you fix that? That's the million-dollar question. Okay, Amanda, thank you very much. Um, really interesting story. And we look forward to having another case next week. Uh, thank you very much. We'll see you next week, Amanda. See ya. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.